tonight on This Is Vinyl Tap. Boy running with that egg on a spoon. A hippie with a weekly wage. Sexy pants and his sausage dog. And whenever I In 1948, Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM long player record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice, only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This podcast believes every album tells a story. Tonight, we tell one of those stories. This is This is Vinyl Tap, and I am your host, 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 host of the planets. <laughs> so we have a classical music joke yeah. tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And yet, you got um, and yet, this is Doug Cooper, your host, and I am joined tonight by Power Pop Tony. Howdy, everybody. And of course, the increasingly humble Jonathan J.M. Rowe. Finding new ways to humble himself. So, real quick, Doug, if we keep calling, the, the more we call him humble, does that grow his ego more and more? I'm just wondering if at some point there's a, you know, well, I have a I have a checklist um, <laughs> to see how many times JM turns the topic back to himself. Ah, there <laughs> so we go. It has been declining, so yeah. we're, we're very excited about that. I appreciate all the uh, emails that I've received that have appreciated my humility. <laughs> the humility bucket. We have a whole bucket full of the... When, when those things come in, it's about 50-50 uh-huh. things about the podcast, and others are about humility and Jonathan J.M. Rowe. Well, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have a very, very fun album for you. It's called Wood Face, and it is by Crowded House, uh, a New Zealand uh, dash Australian band. I think it's two thirds Australian. Slash, yeah, two thirds yeah, Australian, one third New. Oh, actually, this this version is two is half and half, fifty fifty. It is yeah. half. Yeah, this version. You of got them, two yeah. brothers. Yeah, from, I forgot uh, about that. And uh, I got a little tip for everybody out there. If you ever meet somebody, and it sounds like an Australian accent, ask them if it if they're from New Zealand. If they're from Australia, they'll say, no, I'm from Australia. But if they're from New Zealand, they will be so impressed. They will be your best friend forever. <laughs> I don't know how they get people to talk the same when they're on different islands, but it works. Um, now, this is a Crowded House album. It is. And, um, it's a fine Crowded I, House album. I'm not going to tell you who picked it just right at the beginning. <laughs> um, if you think I picked it, 
Welcome to our show. Thank you for checking us out. We are excited to have you join us, and I hope you'll come back again. If you thought Jonathan J.M. Rowe or uh, Encyclopedia Tony picked this album, welcome back. We're glad to have you. This album falls neatly into the uh, wheelhouse of both of these gentlemen, and I'm going to give away the answer right now. This album was picked by Power Pop Tony. Tony? Yes, Doug. A question just occurred to me. Yeah, what is that, Doug? <laughs> Why did you pick this album? Uh, oh, boy. I, let me let me hold on. Let me see if, see if I can figure that out. I was, I was not prepared to answer that question. <laughs> Sorry to spring that on you. Um, well, uh, for a couple of reasons. I will say the most obvious one is uh, we had somebody in our Twitter feed recommend a bunch of albums, and this one popped up, and I was like, oh, yeah. But I think it had been in the rotation when we first started talking about this podcast. I think I added it. This is my favorite Crowded House album. It it it's I've learned a lot doing research for this album. I thought this was their biggest smash hit in the U.S., and it's not even close, Mm-mm. which was a big surprise to me because this album was a part of my uh, inner circles. And the reason I say circles with an s is i had various in college i had various groups of friends and they didn't a lot of them didn't know each other but this album was big in all of those circles so i thought this was like a monster thing a pan circle album yes and and it also uh it, it struck me as um it struck me at the time as being very mature sounding alternative rock album me not really me being young uh, in college, not really thinking about uh, the fact that it, you know, probably got plenty of airplay on other types of radio stations, but it seemed squarely in that college alternative rock place for me, and it was very, it was more mature sounding than anything else out there. Surprise, surprise! The guy, two of the guys in this band, had been making music for a very long time, which I also wasn't aware of at the time, so that probably had something to do with it. Uh, and most of all, it's the music. The music on this album is spectacular. Now, we're falling in that area where we're out of vinyl and we're on CDs. And what happens sometimes with that is there are some things that maybe should have been cold, you know, if you had a little bit more limited time. And we'll talk about that when we get the album. But overall, this this album is fantastic and has quite possibly one of my top five favorite songs ever on it. So Top five favorite yeah at least <laughs> top 10 jonathan jm Rowe. yes uh not so long ago i said hey dude i need to get hip with the kids can you tell me some music to listen to and you recommended an album by neil penn I called did. try whistling this she will have her Great album. I I still listen to that one occasionally. And it is well outside the Doug Cooper decades. Yeah. But um, very good. Uh, my question for you is, you've already recommended a split ends out, uh, song to us mm-hmm. once. And you're also a fan of Crowded House. Mm-hmm. 
Where does this album fall among your favorite Crowded House albums? My favorite. This is uh, your favorite also. It is my favorite also. It um, To me, it's the most... Ladies and gentlemen, this is shocking news. <laughs> As most of you know, the first Crowded House album was the big monster hit. Yeah, and uh, the only one I, I had I, heard. I, I would I would say that people who are familiar with this band and this album in particular may be actually a little surprised by that because I know I was. You're they're surprised about the the first that, the debut being their big. I mean, that's the best selling album. I think I know, and it's, well, it is. And, it's, and if you guys knew less about this band, you would have realized that immediately. Probably, yeah, probably so. Yeah, there, there's something I want to do before we go much further. And lose any of our listeners. Not right. to say anybody's ever quit before the podcast. <laughs> but I, I would like y'all to name some of the Crowded House tunes uh, that people have heard before. And then I would also like you to name some of the uh, split-end split songs. Piece. I can probably do songs. the split-end songs before I can do the uh, Crowded House songs. Well, let's go ahead and just, just go, Jay. All right. Uh, one step ahead. I stop. Could lose my head, so I'm losing you instead. Either way, I'm confused. You slow me down. What can I do? There's one particular way I have to choose. Uh, I hope I never. That was another one that was got some airplay on uh, MTV, and surprisingly, when I the first time I ever saw that song was uh, on a an an MTV precursor uh, video concert hall. I hope I never, I hope I never have to sigh again. I hope I never, I hope I never have to cry. I still want to be and uh, I became a huge Split Ends fan. That song alone just made me kind of a big, huge Split Ends fan. And that was, um, but it's got all sorts of, uh, and it's, it's an interesting video, and it's got all sorts of string arrangements and stuff. And okay, so maybe bold, a little bold, deeper, a little bold as, than I was bold, bold as Brass was the song that got me going for split That's ends. Split ends. Yeah. And then yeah. what's the one that you covered with us? Got, I got, I got you. you. Yes. Yes, that was that was talked about on episode fifty nine, where we talked about it was a violation podcast. Violation where we talked about podcast, good songs yeah. on albums we, we won't we, review. We won't review. Yeah. So that will tell you kind of how JM feels about the album True Colors versus the song I've Got You. Well, the, the <laughs> album cover for True Colors, Colors is the only album cover from Split Ends that I recognize. Yeah, uh, Tony, well, can you help us out with some hits from Crowded House? Well, yeah, of course. There's um, Don't Dream It's Over off their first album. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is um, something so strong. Something so strong. 
was a fantastic first song. album. Yeah. <laughs> that may I be like among that. the most irresistible songs ever. I think made. that's better than the Don't Dream It's Over song. Oh, I agree with you. I, I think too. so, too. And I think it's irresistible. And also, if, if you don't like that song... Uh, you're a bad person. You're a bad person. Well, it's, it's beyond that. It's, they need help. It's, we need to be <laughs> um, more compassionate. One of my one of my favorite songs of theirs, which is a, a single off of their second album, Sister Madly. So love that song a lot um oh yeah that's a great song that's a great song yeah off of temple of low men Mm -hmm. um and then i mean there were five singles off of this album tonight i don't want to name them all or any of them because we'll be talking about them but i just um, wanted to give some groundwork the same way uh, i think this band is is similar to uh, our situation in other bands uh particularly bad finger when people, Uh, people know the songs they just don't know the band and that's that's why I wanted to lay that groundwork so they can say, oh yeah, I know who these guys are. Well, yeah. I I always I always assumed when I was a teenager, um, and Crowded House was just sort of getting getting around. I I always thought I got you the first time I heard it was a Crowded House song. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't well, see, it Crowded. Crowded I, I was a Split Ends fan before Crowded House even existed, so I guess that dates oh, me a little yeah, bit. But, uh, is that on your check mark? Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was so deep. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm going to tell you how deep I was it and where I'm coming from. Uh, for a long time, I thought Crowded House was Squeeze. Out on a windy common That night I ain't forgotten When she dealt out the rations With some or other passions I said you are a lady Perhaps she said Well, we got uh, I got notes on that too. There, there, that's not I, I, look. I I don't think anybody without doing a deep dive or really paying attention. And you were at a point in your life musically where you weren't paying attention to that. New was music my, this is after my checkout period? Yeah. I, I I could see thinking that this was. I mean, it's 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 in the same universe as Squeeze. It's very yeah. clear, well sung songs with a super super pop sound. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. We are digressing. What I would like to do now is uh, I'm going to say something, and Tony's going to say, well, before we talk about that, I want to say this. Um, my question is, how did Split Ends become Crowded House? Well, Doug, before, <laughs> before we talk about that, I think it's worth talking about Split Ends a little bit. Uh, I, I do think we're going to get a little bit of a two-for-one tonight. Um we're not talking about a split ends album, but you can't talk about this band and this album, really this crowded house album in particular without talking about split ends because there's two guys, one of the founding members of split ends and one of the, and the last leader of the band are in this are in crowded house of Finn brothers, Tim and Tim and Neil. So, uh, I I don't want to just talk at you guys about this, but I do want to hear, hit some, some high points. I, the thing that's always fascinated fascinated me about Split Ends was their first two, and I'll say two and a half albums, were very much in the symphonic side of progressive rock. Right. They were essentially the New Zealand version of Genesis. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, and if you listen to their first two albums, they don't know. have the same Bible we do. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. If you listen to the first two uh, albums, which are um, Mental Notes and Second Thoughts, there's no doubt that those are prog rock albums. Um, but again, in that symphonic area, that that early Peter Gabriel Genesis stuff, and they even had that same sort of. Um, although the whole band embraced it rather than just one guy, but that same sort of total package thing where they wore costumes, the art direction on the albums were all very tied together. Uh, they were crazy makeup, had crazy hair. I mean, they had, they, they kind of embraced the thing that Peter Gabriel did with that early Genesis stuff. But um, yeah, they, this is a band that was formed early, early, early in uh, I think 71 in New Zealand with uh Tim Finn and a guy named Phil Judd, and they were a largely acoustic band at the time. Um, in uh, 72, they're joined by Mike Chum, uh, Miles Goulding, and Mike Howard. Mike Chun's the uh, bassist. Um, and uh, and Chun's younger brother, brother Jeff, plays drums. And they decide to do be the full be a full-time band, and they name themselves Split Ends, but they spelled ends correctly, E-N-D-S. Oh. Um at first i never realized they did that yeah when they moved to australia they changed it to enz partly to represent new zealand oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and also just to be cool and hip but what really changes their sound to kind of dive into the prog sound stuff is tim finn acquires a vs Oh, Mellotron. A Mellotron. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Here we are again. Here we are. And, and they get a keyboard player named Eddie Rayner who joins a band, and, and that allows Tim Finn to step out from behind the keyboards and take more of an active role as lead singer, and, and they start becoming more of this sort of progressive rock band. Yeah. Um, what's, what's interesting about them is um, when, they get, when they get signed... Uh, by Mushroom Records, which was a pretty, yeah, they pretty, were pretty big, hip uh, new label in Australia. Well, do you know who else they signed? No, who? From America? Mm -mm. Heart. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear I, that. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, that too. One of my least but, favorite you know, bands on the yeah. planet. Those chicks but, are hot. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, they, uh, you know, they start getting a little, they get a little bit of, uh, of uh, fame, if you will, a little bit of a cult following. They their first tour was with uh, they opened for John Mayall, <laughs> really, <laughs> who we've talked about yeah, before we've on talked the about. Po podcast, right? Because um, of uh, yeah, he basically uh, raised he's the, several guitar Mac. players. He's the, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's the kindergarten for uh, Fleetwood Mac uh, guitar players. Yeah, um, and Fleetwood and Yardbirds. Yeah, and Yardbirds. And then uh, and then for. Uh, it, in between their first and second album, they toured. Uh, the the um, their management uh, company also had a, um, a touring group or whatever, or touring uh, corporation, and they could get them on these big big uh, touring opening for these big touring acts. So um, they end up um, touring with uh, for opening for Flo and Eddie, for Lou Reed, jeez, and for Roxy Music. Really? Yes. And what happens with Roxy Music is, while opening for them, Phil Manzanera gets enamored with the band. Yeah. He falls in love with them and says, I want to produce your second album. So, the, 
what happens fairly, I mean, within, I'm, I'm making it quick, but um, they end up getting a new manager who I've, the, the only reason I'm talking about this guy is it's fascinating. They end up getting John Hoppy Hopkins as their manager. We talked briefly about him in the Pink Floyd episode because he founded, co-founded International yeah. Times newspaper, uh-huh. which is the underground newspaper, and he opened the UFO, UFO Club, which is where Pink Floyd got their start. So John Hopkins, or Hoppy as they called him, was instrumental in kind of getting Pink Floyd off the ground, early Pink Floyd off the ground. Anyway, he ends up managing split ends. I, Tony, I'm sorry. Yeah. Very sorry. Sorry. But I'm going to have to stop you. Uh-huh. We have all been here before. <laughs> You have entered uh, already several connections. And before we go yeah. any further, perhaps a quick game of uh, connections would be appropriate. Okay. Uh, crowded House. Have we been here before? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's, do, let's do a lightning round. Jay. All right. So I, I'm going to go with the most obvious one. Mitchell Froome, who I've mistakenly called Michael Froome. In previous podcasts, but Mitchell Froome, who worked with uh, Los Lobos, uh, Paul McCartney, all sorts of people, but well, we, he, we talked about him on the Kiko episode. Yeah, in the Kiko episode, yep. he uh, plays keyboards on this, and now is a full fledged member of Crowded House. Yeah, but he also produced. Oh, he produced the, first, the album. Yeah, at he, least their first three albums. Yeah. I don't think he produced their fourth album, but he produced their first three. Tony, do you have one for us? David Hildago plays accordion on this. That's true. He, yeah, yes. We're going to talk about accordion. And David Hildago is from that. Los Lobos. Yep. Right. Yes. And? Do you have any, Doug? I do, and I can't oh, remember. Oh, Bill Manziera. But yeah, we well, I mentioned that about, one yeah. from... Uh, from uh, I wonder if music. Neil Finn has ever played with an important rock band. Oh, well, he's a guitarist for... Or the current guitarist for Fleetwood Mac now, right? I, yeah. And I think I would call him the vocalist. Oh, um, see, who's the guitarist? Well, he, oh, that's he right, Mike Campbell. Too, I forgot. Campbell, Mike Campbell's yeah. in the band. Yes, yeah. he's a vo- he's the uh, Lindsey Buckingham <laughs> vocalist. I apologize yeah. uh, to Mike Campbell. Well, for you got to have two people to replace yeah. Lindsey. Um, anything else? Is that it? That might be it. I thought it was going to go on and on and on. Um, okay, well that's fine. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, uh, we might Tony, we might we might come to some more as we're well, yeah, we hit we're going three before we got there. We hit more on the way there than we did when we got there. Tony, yeah, um, tell us about the rest of Split Ends. So they end up moving to the UK to record their second album, which, uh, as I mentioned before, was called uh, Second, second Thoughts. Thoughts. You know, it it um, doesn't do a whole lot in the UK because it's released in '76, and what was happening in '76 in the UK? Punk, punk rock, and the the English press did not like what Split Ends was doing. In fact, somebody uh, there's a quote that called them the dying gasp of art rock, <laughs> uh, which is not fair because that album's really good. <laughs> um, the thing they start doing is they start making these crazy promotional videos. Yeah, they do. And they are crazy. They are crazy. Like guys throwing guitars into water, um, swimming pools and stuff. The, the two the two off of this, the songs off this album they did one for was uh, Late Last Night, 
and then Sweet Dreams, which is if you, <laughs> oh, it'll be on the website, but it is it's bizarre. It is bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. Yeah. Um, but uh, this would be the one that the Eurythmics did not cover. This is not a Eurythmics song, but at some point, Tim Finn and one of the other guys in the band are dressed in unitards, bouncing around like little bunnies. Um, yeah, they, they're Phil Judd's it, hair flies off his head at one point. Something happened. Their their videos became more. They they were kind of pioneers in that weird ass video, yeah stuff. I mean, there, there were some weird videos that came out around this time, and this was they were at the forefront of that. Iggy Pop did some weird ones, and not Iggy. Well, and we talked we talked before about Queen's role in yeah that, and Bowie yeah. too. Bowie yeah, was doing Bowie it. did some, um, but a big thing happens between their second and their third album, and that is that Phil Judd decides he can't he doesn't want to be in the band anymore and he leaves founding member and tim finn and phil judd were the writing partners for split ends and so uh he leaves and um tim tim says that tim finn says that they were close to breaking up for a while but that happens so they're looking for a replacement and who did they decide to get (laughs) they decide to get tim's younger brother neil 17 year old I guess 19 at the time, uh, Neil Finn. But he was 17 at once. Yes, he was. (laughs) At one point he was 17. So, uh, and it was actually Mike Chun, the bassist idea to bring him in. He had seen Neil's, Neil, Neil Finn had a band called after hours and he saw an after hours gig. And, uh, and mainly because I think his, his Jeff Chun, his younger brother was in the band too. And he was blown away by, by Neil Finn. And he's like, look guys, we're searching all over the place. Here's a guy who already knows the band, and uh, and we, you know, we need to we need to bring him in. So they bring they bring Neil in to the band, and they record their third album, which is called Dysrhythmia, which is where the band starts becoming less progressive and a little bit more new wave. And as I mentioned, the first split end song I heard, I actually saw was a video for Bold as Brass. And, uh, and I was like, well, this is great. I don't know what this is, but it, it was awesome. Um, and, yeah. uh, and so Neil's in the band, but he's not, he's not writing a whole lot at this point. He doesn't sing anything on this particular album. The album doesn't do very well. And um, I forgot to mention one of the things that the uh, John Ho- that Hoppy did was, and a couple of other people that was their management company got them when they went to the UK, got them signed with Chrysalis. Well, as a result of this album not doing well, Chrysalis drops them, so they hmm. they don't have a label in the UK anymore. Um, they uh, lose their booking agent. They drop Hoppy as their manager, so they don't have a manager anymore. They can't get any gigs. They end up getting a $5,000 grant from the New Zealand Arts Commission or Arts Council. And they go into this small studio in Luton and record over five days. And they and the, what's recorded is known uh, as the Rootin Tootin Luton tapes. <laughs> and, uh, and so when they go in to record their next album, Frenzy, there's a bunch of songs from the Rootin Tootin Luton tapes that end up being on that album. That album, Frenzy, is the first LP that Neil writes and sings on. 
His first song to sing vocal lead vocals on is a song called "Give It a Whirl" off of the off of Frenzy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's even this album's even more into that kind of new wave, almost poppy type sound. And and the album art kind of reflects that because their album covers used to be kind of crazy. They would be paintings of the band and and you know and decked out in all their weird bizarre finery. Mm-hmm. And this one, they're uh, they're in front of a it's a painting of them in front of a New Zealand farm shed. It's very sort of oh, bucolic, yes. Yeah. And so, uh, and the next album is the one we've talked about already, True Colors. Um, that's the one we talked about on episode 59. This one sounds, I mean, this one's clean. It's got this clean kind of pop sheen over funny about true colors is it's their biggest commercial hit it the album uh is number one on australia stays number one for 10 weeks um and yeah. uh and the single for eight weeks i got you becomes huge it's their highest selling single in australia the song charts in the uk hits number 12 the u.s it peaks at number 53 um it's the first time the band does that cracks the charts in the u.s yeah um the album went number one in new zealand as well and it was in the top 40 in britain and top top 40 i think in the u.s what's funny about that was mushroom records thought the album was a commercial dud and that the (laughs) band had wasted their thirty-four thousand dollars recording it they didn't think there was a single decent tune on not a single single nope and boy were they wrong yeah boy boy, did they have mushroom on their face um (laughs) so uh, their next two albums, and I'm going to butcher the name of this. I'm sh- certain it's Maori or Ariata, something. Yeah. Uh, Wa- Waiata. Waiata. Which know. was also known as Korabori in Australia. If I stop, I could lose my head. So I'm losing you instead. Either way, I'm confused. You slow me down. What can I do? And Time and Tide, both of those also top the Australian charts. Um, and charted in the U.S. and the U.K. So they're kind of on a roll at this point. <laughs> except, and for reasons nobody understands. <laughs> except uh, Tim Tim decides he's got the solo bug. And he wants to start, he wants to break out and do his own thing. And he's running out, the band's running out of steam at this point. And um, they're in recording their second to last album, Conflicting Emotions, they... Um, What's kind of cool about that was Phil Judd did the artwork for that album. If you look at the album cover, it seems like he almost knew something was up because it's an it's a painting of them standing in front of a pool. It's the it's them shoulder down and then their heads are reflected in the pool. So it's almost like he's making some sort of comment. I may be reading too much into that. Yeah, but, but yeah, um, probably right. But uh, anyway, um, they are looking for a drummer at this point too, and so. Paul Hester ends up auditioning for them uh, because after they recorded the album, their drummer left. And so Mm -hmm. to tour in support of conflicting emotions, Paul Hester auditioned um, and Rob Hurst, the drummer for Midnight Oil, was the one who suggested him. And Paul Hester ends up getting the job. That's important because we'll talk about him momentarily. Um, And he's also on their final album. But what happens is Tim Finn ends up leaving the band. 
he quits and he goes solo. Um, the band had been working on a whole bunch of Neil Finn compositions. Tim Finn wasn't writing much for the band at this point. He seemed very disinterested. Um, and uh, so he steps out. And then three weeks after he announces he's leaving, Neil announces he's done with the band, too. So essentially split ends is done at that point. They, they said what happens in the end. They split. Ah, they split very good. <laughs> they ended up recording a final album, uh, which is called See You Around, which was the first and last album, Split Ends album without Tim Finn on it. Um, it uh, fails to chart in the U.S. upon its release. Nobody in the U.S. even really hears this album. They end up doing a farewell tour called The Ends with a Bang Tour <laughs> and, uh, and then end up calling it quits at that point. Yeah. So what happens is Paul Hester and Neil Finn decide they want to start a new band. And while they're at, at the Melbourne show doing their Ends with a Bang Tour, Nick Seymour approaches uh, Neil and says, I'd like to be in your band. And so they form a band called the Molanes, and they're uh, and it's a band. The reason they're called the Molanes is that was Neil Finn's middle name, and it was his mother's maiden name. Uh, they're also joined by a guitarist named Craig Hooper, and so they end up getting a capital contract, uh, or contract with Capitol Records. They move to Los Angeles to record. Uh, Craig Hooper leaves, so they're left as a trio. Um, but they continue that way. The record company hates the name, the Mullanes, <laughs> and and, he, and they hate their second choice, which is called Largest Living Things, uh, although uh, Hester evidently uses that for a project later. His own oh, project really? in the oh, 90s. So, yeah. um, so they changed the name to Crowded House after their cramped living quarters that they were staying in while they were recording their first album in Los Angeles. Really? Most of the Crowded House debut album was written while they were the Mullane, so they were planning on uh, recording as that until Capitol poo-pooed it. <laughs> so just real quick going through it, their debut album comes out. We talked about it already. It had uh, the singles Don't Dream It's Over. something so strong um both of those were huge songs this um, is without tim this is yeah, yeah this is neil neil finn paul hester and um nick seymour are in the band and so tim uh neil's doing all the singing on this album. he's doing all the singing on it on yep. the first album first album yeah it uh it um hits number nine on the u.s top uh, adult top 40 billboard chart it wins song of the year um and Best Video Award um, at the MTV, uh, Best New Artist Award as well. Um, Something So Strong is, again, huge. Number seven. And it also included a song called I Walk Away, which is a re-recorded song off of the last Split Ends album because nobody heard it, and yeah. Neil Finn didn't want it to go un unheard, so they re-recorded it for the debut Crowded House album.
this album came out in 1986. Yes. There was a lot of good stuff put out in 1986. Mm-hmm. And a lot of bad stuff. There was a, an enormous amount of bad stuff put out. It, we're look, dealing with, this is the hair metal uh-huh. phase. There's Huey Lewis in the news. Oh, doing don't that. Huey Lewis in the news. Well, but... Uh, Janet Jackson's control, all that. I mean, there was just so much that I did not like at it, this point. You're talking about top 40 radio. Yeah. I mean, top 40 radio, radio was horrible. College, college radio, radio and great. that's what I was about yeah. to say. College radio was playing some great stuff. Yeah. There's also music that was, I mean, Peter Gabriel So came out at this point, which I absolutely loved. Graceland. Graceland came out, mm-hmm. uh, which I absolutely America, loved. The world except one person loves Graceland. Um, uh, you have to go back and listen to our episode to find out who that is. Uh, Steve Winwood came out with "Back in the High Life" again, which uh, I think is a fantastic album. Um, so, the, and the, I, I was—I think "Hold Your Fire" was released. <laughs> "Hold Your Fires" by actually, I was eighty-seven. It's Rush. Rush. Oh. <laughs> so there was just so, and so it was almost like the good stuff. And the I, I this is at a point where I would just draw the line between good stuff and bad stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like Huey Lewis sucked. If it was on the radio, I'm not gonna listen to it. And but this song came was popular. Was it in the fall of '86? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went well. Maybe there's some hope for that. But I missed a lot of stuff. I missed like well, the Beastie Boys. I missed there was just a lot of stuff that came out in '86. Beastie Boys, Doug. <laughs> oh damn! Uh, what a what a tragedy. <laughs> So remember that Douglas Doug Cooper was unplugged at this time. I yeah. was too. I mean, but I tried to be. I was like, listening to stuff like the Long Riders, and uh, you know, well, I was listening to Jason and the Scorchers, and the replacements were huge yeah. for me. And I did have Jason and the Scorchers. Yeah, um, but, but this album straddled well, that. that. I'm, I want to say something. This is back when they were squeezed, though. I want to say something about that. Too, because just jumping ahead to um, Woodface, yeah, that album was released in '91. Yeah, I felt the same way at that time because that's when grunge got its yeah, start. Grunge got, and you yeah. listen to this album and you think, in an alternate universe, this is what would have been popular had it not been for Nirvana and yeah. Pearl Jam and all the other bands. Well, again, jumping stuff. ahead in in '91. No, 90, early 92, I was living in Memphis, and I was playing in a band that the lead guy, lead singer, um, I was the guitar player at the time, he was a huge Screaming Trees fan, Screaming, he was from Seattle, and he wanted to just form, his his wife is going to grad school with me in uh, in Memphis, and he was just all the stuff he was playing, I just like I, I just can't can't do this stuff. But then he he said, "You got to listen to this album, Woodface." Because one time I started playing um, the beginning of "Don't Dream It's Over." That bone. He goes, "If you like that, you need to listen to this Woodface album." I went, okay, so I listened to it, and it was fantastic. Well, let's let's talk about that album real quick. Uh, That's but, a good idea. Hold on, let's we got we can't we just got to squeeze in. They had an album between the two, the debut in this album called Temple of Men, uh, which we talked about briefly. Um, the song I mentioned, Sister Madly, that I like, just a little brief kind of trivia thing. 
Richard Thompson plays guitar on that. Yep. So and very well. And for those of you who don't know who Richard Thompson is, he was uh, he was Fairport one of the Convention of Fairport Convention and uh, one of the best guitar players, Just in my opinion. Really, really good guitar. Player. Yep. Acoustic and electric. Yep. Part of the problem with Crowded House is I don't know if radio quite knew what to do with them. I I agree with you because it it's so there's nothing. At one point it's produced, yeah. But the other point it's not produced, and that's the thing that I think gave it the the things I hated about 1986 was so much of the stuff was produced to a degree that you just it was is had everything had a sheen on it even you know albums that i love so and um back in the high life both of them have that synthesizer drum machine sheen to them that everything was going digital yeah everything was going digital at that point that's ladies and and gentlemen if, if you're young you don't understand that's when everything went downhill well, well it, it, zapped, it zapped, and we're going to sound like a couple old, old fuddy duddies, but what it did well, is it, I do zapped, every week. it zapped the warmth out of music. Yeah, it did. Well, and they, they quit doing uh, It allowed people to stack things. It allowed people to work apart from one another. You didn't have to have everybody in the in the studio. In fact, it, you didn't want everybody in the studio. Yeah, it, it, it changed everything, and it, I believe there's an effort now to go back. Uh, people have realized the error of that way, but... Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the vinyl revolution, if you want to call yeah, it that. The re-revolution. People, yeah, people are yeah. listening to what they're listening the to. The thirty-three and a third revolution. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're listening to it. That's funny. They're listening to this music on on vinyl and realizing that it sounds richer. Yeah, those guys might have known each other when they recorded this. <laughs> I, 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 I was in L.A. for the recording of an album and watched people come in and lay down their track and walk out. Uh, that's weird. And it was, um, it was, it was like a, a surgery with doctors taking turns. It, it was just ridiculous. And uh, yeah. that was what year was that? That was ninety something. And uh, it was, it was bad. A guy would come in, and lay down a track, one track, guitar lead, and step out, and uh, just yeah. uh, very, very. Uh, it was like a how you'd make an album if it was on a conveyor belt. Well, unfortunately, the 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 alternative that happened was grunge, because that was what was happening with grunge. Yep. Well, and it was well, so there. Everybody awful. knows how we feel about that. <laughs> we practically there. There was also there Tony was, still was doesn't wear den, or wear a, a flannel flannel to this there, day. There was still there was a, a burgeoning underground kind of alt country scene that was happening at the same time that didn't True. really didn't really hit its stride until the mid nineties. But it was it was happening at the same time, and that music was much more guys in a room playing. Well, yeah, yeah, like uh, uh, Soul Asylum kind of. I'd, yeah, which I okay. Well, we're really in like. the middle of one of our greatest uh, outtakes. Uh, yeah, one of our um, greatest uh, detours so, of all time. So Tony Doug, was about to get us to Woodface. Well, so, yeah, real quick, Doug, we need to talk real briefly about how we got here. So um, the, the Finn brothers are about to make an album. They're, yeah, they're working on an album together, and at the same time, Crowded House is working on an album together. When the record company heard what Crowded House was doing for their third album, they hated it. They rejected it, and they said, "You guys, we need something. We need something better." And so Neil asked Tim, 
if he could use some of the songs for this. And Tim, supposedly, this is what the the, the um, which the I don't really, is, I don't know. Jokingly if I buy said, it. "Oh, you can only do it if I can be part of the band." And they said, "Okay," and he became part of the band. Yeah. What what is what is in fact true is that, um, and I believe this. I don't know if it's true, but I believe this. Um, that Neil said that that what was happening at the time it was that there was just this blurring between what crowded house was doing and what they were doing. It's just a certain Tim joins a band that is solely Neil's baby at the time. So the dynamics have shifted at that point, you know, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Uh, I find this thing with the brothers really fascinating. Well, they're, they're not typical rock and roll brothers. They don't hate each other, but they do have moments where they can't work yeah, together can't for work together. anymore, you know, for very long. So they. Well, y'all feel true. like you're ready to uh, begin discussing what we're here tonight to discuss? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Jam. Who produces this album? Well, the producer is Mitchell Frome, who we mentioned earlier. Fantastic keyboard player, uh, and he's produced a lot of albums, uh, especially from the '80s. And he produced an album we talked about earlier um, in a podcast, Los Lobos, um, Kiko, Kiko uh, one of the best albums ever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was... I'm um, sorry. <laughs> he was a just a very sought after producer at this time. J.M., uh, other than the producer, we have oh, we some t- other players on this about, album. D- we talked about David Hildago. He plays accordion on a couple of tracks. He's yeah. uh, he's one of the main guys in Los Lobos. Yeah, and of course, then you've got, as we mentioned, Tim and Neil Finn, the Finn brothers, who I think the vast majority of the songs were co-written by both of them. There's a couple of, I think five of the tracks are just Neil Finn songs, but the vast majority of the albums written by both of them. Okay, so... This album starts out with a song. It, uh, yeah, it does. It's called FF. No, wait, that's my name for it. It's called Chocolate Cake. Can I have another piece of chocolate cake? Tammy Baker's got a lot on her plate. Can I buy another deep castle bay? It's not one of the strongest openers in the history. It, of- it is... So here, there's a history and a little story about this song. The guys in the band wanted this. They urged the record company to release this song as their first single in the U.S. The record company and their management said, we don't think that's a very good idea. And the band said, we disagree. We want to do it. It's a funny song. It's taking the, taking the piss out of the U.S. And we really want to, we want to do it. Um, and, uh, and so they did, and it backfired on them tre- tremendously. The The feeling by most music journalists, as well as the band, is that had they not released Chocolate Cake as their first single, this album would have done significantly better than it did. Why they couldn't think but, other songs on this album? Well, but, but here's the thing. Beyond the the sort of making fun of Americans and our, and our love of idiot celebrities and stuff yeah. the song's just not very good no it's no, not it, it sounds preachy and uh well i remember the rolling stone uh review of it they 
or when they were talking about the album being made, they had the members of Crowded House sitting around a chocolate cake and just, I guess that was a publicity photo for it. But Well, Neil, Neil, Neil Finn has said in an interview that it, it's confrontational and it gave the wrong impression. So regardless, again, of the lyrics, this song doesn't sound like any really anything else on the album. It's got, yeah, it's it's an got anomaly. a weird kind of dance groove to it. Um, it's got this... Uh, what well, is that a harmonica that they have? I don't know. It, it, I don't, it's I, unattractive. I, I, I absolutely hate the chorus. I hate it. It's it's awful. Um, I, I it sounds like they're trying to do bad sax. Yeah, stacks to Here, me. Here's the weird thing: this song hit number two on the alternative airplay Billboard charts. So it, it got a lot of airplay because in college, in college radio, and that's again maybe where my mind was because I thought this song was big and didn't have anything to do. I thought this album was huge because of that, but. But this backfired on the band. Um, this 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 yeah, it was charted terrible... worse than their first two albums, um, which is a shame considering everything that's on this album. <laughs> everything after, after, after this song, well, just... that's that's why I call this song FF. Fast forward um, yeah. <laughs> for those of you with a cassette yeah. player. Um, it, it it made me realize how many uh, bands from other countries feel so at home. Criticizing the United States. Well, well even if they are, I don't, it's just I don't silly. know. Do do American bands go around uh, writing songs about uh, other than South Africa? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that we go around uh, lecturing everybody else. Yeah, but we, you know, we're the big we're the big boys. Well, I know. And I, know. I don't think we care too but much. But here's either. the thing, though. I I don't I don't take this. This song isn't like this song isn't serious. You know, I mean, they're trying. They're well. I I don't I. It doesn't uh, have any impact on me because they're making fun of things that I make fun of. It just seems gratuitous. I, I, again, what about I, Andrew Lloyd Webber losing his pants or something? No, he drops his pants when he yeah. bows to the Queen. I, Did he do that in real life? I don't think so. I don't know. What, what, I was wondering if that actually happened. Oh, or, maybe. Who knows? My, did he, how did he make anybody mad? I don't know. My, my point again regardless of the lyrics, it's just not a good song. No, it's a bad song. It's and right. I remember the my yeah. That well, let's let's go past this turd because there's so many good songs on. Well, this album. and, you and go, the yeah, next one the is next song is one of them. So it good. Is. This uh, this uh, this is uh, it's only natural. It's only natural that I should want to be there with you. It's only natural that you should feel the same way too. It's track two. Should be track one. God, I yeah, love that. It that been nice this too. is the the thing that there's two things that make this album so good. The way the guitar is mixed and the the way it is so clear and it comes through and then the bass. Well you missed the in my opinion, the biggest thing that makes this album so great. What's that? And that's those two guys singing together. Oh god, yeah. The, harmony, yeah. the yes. harmonies the on this harmonies album are, are amazing. This and song, this song is the ultimate of, of the album. Yeah, because they sing. Uh, I, I think, think there's a better one, but well, I'll sing, agree with they you. Sing, I think that they harmonize throughout, so well. I think they this is the most balanced the two vocals are. Yeah. But I also think they harmonize throughout the entire song on this. It's not mm-hmm. just coming in the chorus right. or things. They yeah. sing. Right. It's like an Everly yep. Brothers thing. Yeah. They. Yep. But going back to what you said about the guitar, the, the guitar riff on this song is fantastic. God. And it's, it's and it's so it seems so simple, but it is not. Is I'm that Mark Hart? 
I'm assuming it's Neil. I think it's Neil. Yeah. Yeah. They. Uh, I don't feel I have any confidence on uh, guessing who's singing at any time on this album. Well, there's only one song that Tim sings lead on. Yeah. Is that right? Every every other song Neil Finn sings lead on, and except Paul Hester does. Italian. Didn't he sing lead on Italian? I he wrote it. I don't know if he sings it. Okay. But maybe. I don't know. Uh, we should look that up before we get to the song. <laughs> um, but uh, this this song, another weird thing, this was their third single. They released two songs, Chocolate Cake being one of them, before they released It's Only Natural as a well, song. I can think of two I would re- release before this one, even though I do think this is a fine song. Well, I mean, I remember I had never heard what is my favorite song on the album is probably my favorite song by uh anything split ends nil uh, finn brothers or crowded house is done uh this song was the one that i associated with them the most yeah i mean fantastic song i heard this song and the one after it a lot on the radio but i also had this i feel like i had this album fairly early on in its in its um I don't know how. I mean, I really don't. I, I, but like I said, it was in my group of friends, and uh, we listened to a lot. I saw them on this tour. They played at the backyard. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's, fa- it's a fantastic song. It hit number five on the modern rock charts, U.S. modern rock charts. Well, yeah. I think the next song is even better. It was their second single. So there you go, Doug. Um, and the, the second song, song is, is Fall at Your Feet. And whenever I This is a sole Neil Finn composition. And, and this it, may... is, it is very Neil Finn, and it is one of those it, uh, irresistible harmonies, uh, particularly with the chorus. It will just, it, it'll make it fall. It'll it make is a fall masterfully constructed pop song. This is my favorite song that they have ever done. It's a Split ends, Finn Brothers, Crowded House. They're, they're, it's very difficult to surpass this song that the, it's, well, it's masterfully not my, it's not recorded favorite, but it is it is very un chocolate cake oh yeah yep. it's the opposite the um, chord progression is unbelievable the, and, the and way that the, there are the finn brothers voice the yep. voices are perfect for this and and they, the everly brothers connection i think is gonna it's gonna happen through this whole record because what they have in common with the everly brothers is um to blood harmony yeah it's the blood harmony but yep. it's also the same kind of voice it is a sweet uh open and clear voice that's perfect for pop music yep yeah i mean this... it's it's, it's it, like you were saying we were talking about for the show it's effortless everything it just sounds effortless it, it, on it this is. album and, and the one on, thing, on this song the one thing i want to say about this album in general and and i i bad mouthed uh Mitchell Froome when we did Kiko and I badmouthed him earlier when you said something. But this album, there's a lot going on on a lot of these songs, but yep. they never sound never busy sound crowded. And yeah, crow- ah, crowded, very nice. <laughs> they don't, they don't, they sound. Uh, th- I don't know how they do it. If you sit back and, you know, we talk about this a lot on this show. Um, we listen to albums that we've loved 
differently when we're preparing for this. So I listened to this album critically, as critically as I could, and I was noticing things that I had noticed before. And, it, and and the production was one of the things I never really paid attention to. And it's really top notch. It is. It, it and is. It's just and, so clear. Everything yeah. is. But, you but, can um, another one of those things like we were talking about with the uh, Roxy Music album. It, you can hear every instrument. You can hear every it's instrument. It's very intentional music too. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I'm going to say over and over again is, and this is not an, a criticism, I like it, but the drums are the most uh, noticeable uh, instrument. instrument in this. They're at the front of everything. They start most of the songs, and then they're always right there in yeah. front, even in front of the vocal. Me. I have a question for you, Doug. What... Uh, what do you? What are your feelings about the lyrics on this album? Well, because you're a lyrics guy, I, I thought a lot about that. Um, I didn't think you'd like it. There are some. There are. I, 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 here is what I came up with. Okay. Um, when I look at Picasso, and I see his block art, uh huh, I go what. And then I look at earlier Picasso with the realism. Right. And I go, okay, this guy could do that. So maybe I'm the one that needs to catch up on the block art. When I look at uh, these lyrics, I feel the same way. I haven't found the realism to give me the confidence. A lot of times it sounds like, uh, let's just throw some stuff out there. But there are songs like the one we're talking about right now. They're they're not mysterious. They're not using strange analogies. It's it's a yeah. It's a pretty love song, and it's quite clear. And there are we'll get to them later. But there are a couple of very clever lyrics. But there is a lot. Um, uh, the first the first one is is an example where. Maybe they're being too cute, or maybe they're uh, getting a little carried away with themselves. Yeah, and they take that idea of the song will write itself a little too far. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not confident on making a pronouncement on that. But there are times when the lyrics are are good. Yeah. But this band is best when it's doing what it's doing at "Fall at Your Feet," and there's there's another song coming up later where they do. Oh, weather with you is the, the weather with you has really good lyrics. James this, Brown. This song to... is a. We've talked about this before. This is a sweet, tender, small song, and it's amazing. And if you, if you make it big and heroic yep. and anthemic, uh, you're gonna you're gonna. And if you it. try to end it with some sort of strange ad, like the way they end it, it's like okay, it's ending, and that's the thing I love about it. It's like okay. They, no, I wanted to go on. No, they're not going to fade it out. They're just going to end it in kind of a weird, they, weird way. Something I noticed. I, I listened to this a lot. I guess this thing got delayed or something because I was the I was last week, so I didn't have to listen to that album very much because I'd heard it so many times. So I think I've listened to this maybe more than any other album that I haven't heard of before that we've done for this, and I noticed that they get into a beautiful, beautiful chorus and a beautiful uh, uh, 
piece of music, and then you think they're going to just keep repeating it and get yeah. stuck, and then he breaks out into that, that a bridge. bridge or something else. Yeah, that bridge. But sometimes that bridge they are is brilliant. One of the greatest bridges ever. They bring everything to a screeching halt. Yeah, I, 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 that's a good point, Doug. This one is th- brilliant. They do yep. things. At that point in the song, the bridge point in the song on this album that um, I think for the most part work and work really well and are often, even on songs I don't like that much. I know. Uh, There's parts like where what, you like, like a, when you like, like maybe it. the next one. Uh, when we get to the bridge part on it, it's that they, they do something that is, is spectacular compared to what the rest of the song is doing. So I don't know what's going on the, there. But yeah. The best example of what uh, he does on his bridge is. Uh, she will have her way on his solo album. And when he hits that bridge, it's so typical of what he yeah, does. Yeah. And it works perfectly. It's very similar to what he does on the bridge here, where he goes double time. Yeah. And yep. comes yep. out of that sweet uh, melody before it gets saccharine. Yeah. But there are some songs on here where he doesn't pull the bridge off, and all it does, it's like sticking. Sticking a stick in some kid's bicycle and uh, making them trip. <laughs> I think it's a, yeah. I, but anyway, that's a lot on that song. Yeah. Okay, tall trees. This is never been one of my favorite songs on this album. Nope, but and, it does have but that thing. bridge. The bridge is great, that, and the roses and the roses you grow part, and the bit the the, the guitar part right after that. That little snippet. Of I the mean, song if they had is, just like yeah. faded that in yeah, and then yeah, yeah. faded that out, no, it's, it's that would have been yeah one of my favorite yep. things they've ever done. Yep. Um, it's not well. It's, uh, and, and the lyrics are pretty good. Um, yeah, the Talking about the salt yeah. on your skin when you're running, and uh, yeah. that sounds like something only me and Jan would know from uh, <laughs> back when we ran too much. Um, I don't think this is uh, I don't think this is a bad song. I think the thing that doesn't work is when they shout "tall trees." Yeah, because that's, that's so unlike them. Yeah, I think that's it. It's it. it well, I, I realized that again listening to this out album critically because I don't think I would have felt the same way about this song prior to doing that. But I realized there are there are times in the choruses on some of these songs when they do things that are almost they almost seem like that you could see them playing in front of a crowd, getting the crowd to say yeah, the same thing yeah. they are, that just seem a little out of place to me. And this is that, one of the I songs. Agree. I agree with you I, 100%. I think, yeah. I think seeing this live, I think if you saw this live, this song would increase in uh, its Intensity, popularity yeah. for a live show compared to being on a... Uh, yep. Well, it and seems then, like, and then I also feel like this song doesn't know where to go after a while. Well, I I, that's exactly what I... I my notes say that. I, it's like they... Nobody knows what to do on this song until they get to that, that bridge. bridge, and it's like, okay, what Which, do I? Again, it's it saves the song for me, and I think that's yeah. why um, when I think about this album outside of Chocolate Cake, there's not a song on this album that I dislike. Um, there are some I like more than others, right? But I think it's because there's parts of every song that I find immensely attractive. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you that that. If they could just somehow make the tall tree, like I said, if they could just make that a 30 second. Yeah. Well, I think that's the least um, 
crowded house song on the album. Especially the nah, way I think the first chocolate one is, cake is the least. Yeah, so I, that's my that's tall my, trees. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's got it's kind of anthemic in a way that's yeah. very. It's it's, uh, it's it's like a hairband or something. <laughs> the way it ends. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll move on to a much better song now. This is called "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." <laughs> I did not put that together whatsoever. That is funny. Actually, it's uh, the the weather with you. Or do I sing like a bird released? Everywhere you go, always take the weather with you. Everywhere you go, always take the weather. Everywhere you go. I love this song so much. It's one of my favorite songs they've ever done. It's the beginning that sounds like uh, that's funny. You know, George Harrison's tune. Um, this is the only song on the album I had heard before. Really? Yeah. Really? That's interesting. And uh, the I can't remember is... who said this uh, about Take Your Weather With You. I think that's some British explorer, one of those. We will attack here, here, and here. We'll take the weather with us. Oh. Well, it's uh, it was a um, it's so this is the first song or the only song off this album you heard. Yep, it didn't chart in the states at all. I don't know how I came across this. It. Was the first one? This is the only song that I knew before I heard the album. Really? Yeah. See, I I don't know how much of this I heard on the radio and how much of it I just I. When I was listening to this, I, and I'll be honest, I didn't listen to this album probably in maybe a year or so before before we pulled it out, before I pulled it out to listen to it, and I had forgotten all the songs that were on it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is on this. This is yeah, on this. I can't this believe how many yeah. badass songs and, are on. And this is another one of those those albums where I find it it's difficult for me to say, I mean, it's really not because I do have a, a standout favorite, but um, there's so many great moments on this album. Oh, God, you know? yeah. There's, um, and that's the thing about what makes listening to this album so worthwhile. Even if you don't like everything you're hearing, there's going to be standout moments. It, it's one of the few albums that actually does that. It, it was the most successful single from the album, but it's it didn't chart in the U.S., which huh. is weird. But whatever. But I love. I, it. I wonder so, why I heard it. I well, it, it's very. Uh, it's a little more sparse than the rest yeah. of the songs, and. Uh, it's got a really cool guitar. I love that acoustic guitar that's going through it the whole time. Oh yeah, it's um, they talk you, about. It's one of the few songs that you could sing by a campfire by them. Well, I, I was wondering how many of these songs. I thought about something. It's the first album I thought about this on Doug listening to is how many of these songs passed the kitchen table test for you? Uh, quite a few. Up. Um, and explain, I think, can you explain I think what they, that is since I just threw that. Out well, there? yeah, the, that. Kitchen table test is really how the uh, song appears naked. Uh, no tricks, no great musicians, just the song. Someone sits down at the kitchen table with you and says, listen to this, and they play it on the guitar. Um, only a great song can make it through that. And uh, I, I would say a lot of these do. I do, too. I, I, I think there's quite a few that do. I, I um if they did a unplugged album, I I think that would hold up nicely. 
Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things that Neil Finn said about this, just because it's funny, is he he gets at, he evidently got asked a lot about 57th Mount Pleasant Street. And he's like, eh, it never existed. Um, he goes, my sister did live on Mount Pleasant, but the number that she lived on just didn't sound as cool as 57. So, <laughs> so that's why so it didn't sound very musical. Um, anyway. That's great. Um, yeah. Whisper and moans. I thought you were I thought you were going to go whispers and moans. <laughs> not me. I'm not a whisper and I'm not a moaner. Uh, uh, this starts out with the little uh, little funkadelli yeah, there, little funky uh, tune. I agree. It's it's good. I, wow, 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 wow. It's like a pizza delivery guy showing like, up. This is my second favorite song. That's a really. great song. I love this song. I and I love how it starts off with that pizza delivery yeah. guy funk <laughs> stuff, and how it goes into something totally different. I will say my one critic. I agree with you. Is a great song, but one criticism. You guys will probably laugh when I say this. I don't like the fade out scatting at the end of the song, at all. Have you ever liked scatting? I do. I liked it on the Nielsen stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. That's well, right. that's actually in my notes. It does sound like it ends on a Nielsen type. Thing. Um, but uh, this is one of the songs where, when you listen to it, there's just so much going on. I know, you can hear is. everything, but it doesn't. It doesn't sound busy. It's weird. It's it's weird. like they wrote four different songs yeah. and put them together. And the well, choruses. I'm, I'm sorry, Doug. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I like the way it uh, is a departure from everything in front of it. Yeah, to, uh, and uh, just mix the, up the record a little and bit. And the lyrics, the lyrics almost sound different from the rest of the. It, it's like, hey, all this, this there's a party going on underneath, and then he's singing these lyrics that are kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. and. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think this is a masterful song. I mean, it's, I wish I could write something like this. It's, and then I don't really have a problem with the way that it ends. It, it sounds I, like he's coming out I'm, of a party. I'm just being critical. I don't, I again, I, the stuff I'm criticizing outside of the opening track, I would never, ever, it wouldn't bother me in normal listening. I just am listening to I know. Talking you got to listen. Yeah. Right. I was listening to it differently and just saying there's little, little things here and there that, that kind of get, get to me. But no, it's yeah. the bridge on this song is great. Oh, the yeah. guitar that kicks in right before the chorus is fantastic. This is the best guitar parts yeah, on the, it, on the album. It, it's, it's a really good well, the, the whole album is filled with, um, excuse me, this whole song's filled with interesting guitars. Yep. Yeah. This is a song called Austin. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's four seasons in one day. Like all the things you can't explain. Four seasons in one day. So, and it's explicit. This is my favorite song. I love this song. This is, I don't think I'm surprised by that. This is one of my top five favorite songs ever, I think. This is a song the Beatles would have been proud to write. Yep. <laughs> I agree with you. And More specifically? The... I don't know what. Paul McCartney. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is. Uh, I get goosebumps every time I hear this song. It's a, it's a fantastic. I've loved the song for and, a very I, And I've realized I lied to you all before. Yeah. I had also heard this song before. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. This, uh, yeah, this is this is this is a perfect song. It's it's. You're <laughs> Find right. a flaw. I dare you. Find one. I know. There's no. Words. And then just like the, oh, he uses dirty words. <laughs> it's so. Yeah, he does use dirty words, but the strumming on it, and then the way that, that Wurlitzer piano oh, comes yeah, in. It is so. It's oh, so great. It, it's That's so. Just, it, that. Sounds like it's from another time. It does. Like That's a, what the thing I love about it yeah. on the album. Yeah. Um, the, and, and, and you say that, but the song is timeless sounding. It does. It and the is. way it's, that those... Uh, the, you but said the it thing when is, you said it sounds like a Beatles song. But the, it, the way that the lyrics, the, the, when the singing comes in, it almost sounds like it's above everything. Like the music's playing yeah. and every. It, it's masterful. It, it, it is a beautiful, beautiful song. Production-wise, I think this is the best one they ever they did. Yeah, and, it's. Uh, I, um, it's, I mean, I, I love this album, but this song in particular just yeah, every it, time it I hits hear me it. every time I it, hear you it. You know, when you when you said it sounds like a Beatles song, now it has. I liked it before, but now it occupies a completely different uh, place in my head because. It is exactly like one of Paul McCartney's strong. Well, it sounds like that, uh, that people would cover. Yeah. Uh, like well, I'm going to surprise you. It, it sounds to me like, uh, to me, it sounds like it reminds me of Across the Universe, where his voice is above all the rest of the instruments. Well, I, I have a hard time. I, I get that if you're talking about this, the structure of the song, but I have a hard time seeing that because I'm not a big fan of Across the Universe. So. I know, I'm not a big fan either, um, but it's... Oh, anyway, and uh, I love this song. There Goes God comes next. Oh, we're skipping out. We're already moving by. Suffer for love I'd like to believe In the terrible truth In the beautiful lies Like so you But in this town I can't get arrested I think this song should have been on the outtakes with a uh, chocolate, chocolate cake. cake. No, nope, I nope, nope, nope. I disagree a hundred percent. I think this. I don't know what this song is about though. But it's, I think it's. Um, I think it's pretty funny. Anti-religion. But <laughs> I don't think it's anti-religion. No, I think it's. Um, I'm so clever and so smart, and that's. I I just can't dig that. But my God, that. Well, you probably that twelve. Hate the, yeah, hate the, the harmonic on it. <laughs> I love the harmonica. I, I don't care about the harmonica. I love it's not tw- Neil Young's. I mean, it's not a uh, Dylan's harmonica. I love that twelve-string uh, Middle Eastern sounding guitar. I, 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 I love this song. It's not. It's not. I mean, there are better songs on this album, but I don't. I don't think this. It's, this is not chocolate cake. By it's any not story. chocolate cake. I, but I get the, I, same, I, I get the I get, same vibe from them on this. You're if, just talking about their their kind of snarky attitude it yeah. is a weird song i i do think it's our first uh song to talk about uh Beezlebub. yeah it you know does mention Beezlebub <laughs> until 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 we do the sabbath album <laughs> yeah. do you know who that is yes who Beelzebub? he's uh the demon of the he's the lord of the flies yeah lord of the flies have you noticed the problem we've had here tonight oh there's you're right there's flies in here okay it's this song <laughs> um but yeah, I, I was forever trying to figure out what the song is about. The best I could think of is it's about a guy. Um, I think it's a dumbass trying to confront 
religion. For I think the it's first a guy time. who's struggling with his with religion, and what he keeps saying is these these fancy pants preachers on TV who yeah. are all about the glitz. Well, all he hears are and, the bad things yeah. about what happens if you don't believe in God. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I think that's what uh, irritates me about um, this and the first songs is. I don't like people taking on the easy targets. I I, I can I can see that. I can understand, but I I agree with Tony. I think it's it's again. This is where we disagreed with the with the uh, Randy Newman thing. It's like it. Yeah, it's a character study of a guy, and I think. I, I can see both points of view. I can see this turning somebody off because they're being too clever by half. Um, yeah. but I, I, I like the song and I love the imagery in it. I oh think my it's God. funny. I love I the, the guitar is, playing on it. It's yeah. so, so much. It's, well, it's that's will, why, I, that's why they make more than I, one album. I, I will say that it, it does have that one quality that again, critically kind of gets to me a little bit, that kind of sing song chorusy thing. Like you, this is another song you could see the crowd singing yeah. along with when they play it live. I see um, what you're saying. You yeah. know, um, Again, well, it's know, a minor their, quibble. That's their strength and their weakness. Yeah. Yeah. They they do have a enormous talent for coming up with things to sing along with. Well, up next we have Fame Is. This is the closest thing to a power pop song on this album. Two words. Yeah. Hello, squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> it is very squeezy. Um, it is. Although it feels it feels a little Elvis Costello-y to me, too. <laughs> I can kind of see that, too. You but, know? I mean, that there's parts when I just go, they just totally... It doesn't start off like a squeeze song, no. but that first... Uh, when the lyrics come in, or the when the vocals come in, it really does. Sound yeah, but it, it's <laughs> no, it's 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 the it's the uh, you know probably the closest to a pure power pop song on the album. I agree with you. Yeah, um, the the organ slash keys, yeah. whatever they are, are so great. And there's moments where they kind of do that weird swirly psychedelic thing, which yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah, and uh, and I also love that bit where like everything kind of stops. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, and the and the vocals come in and and then it's and it's like a, it goes that four on the floor and it's basically you can't really everything's a wash yeah yeah you're, you're talking about that psychedelic yeah. thing yeah and then and, the guitar the little short guitar solo yeah. is really great on it too and it's uh it's a power pop guitar solo yep. and they uh, <laughs> you, you know I don't know who it is but someone knows exactly when. They can't go any further with what they're doing, and they have to insert the bridge. Yeah, yep. I notice that all over and over again on this album. Yeah, they're like, masters at that. They're masters. Twelve at more that, yeah. measures of that, and I'd be out of here. Yep. Okay, you popped in just at the right yep. time. Yeah. yeah, they they take a little detour and, and bring well, that's it back where it gets around. really yeah, that's where yeah. it gets really psychedelic. Yeah, yeah, but well, uh, it's a good song. Well, next, ladies and gentlemen. It was a dark night. <laughs> we need to light a cigarette and have a, gla- I walked have a, into a glass Mel's of whiskey. Diner. <laughs> I had my usual peach pie and a cup of coffee. And then she walked in. The dame that was going to destroy <laughs> my life. And all I could ask. All I can ask. Uh, all I ask is to live. Mom. 
from the land Take the road forgotten Don't leave What do we do? We backed up about four decades, five decades? <laughs> this is, this is, decades? so this is Tim Finn's lead, or Tim, yeah, Tim Finn's lead, his only lead on the, on the album. Um, I like it. I I think this I like this song a lot. I think it would be I, so. What makes this song, and I think what also breaks this song, are the string arrangements. Because I listen to it, and I, I disagree. Think, I, I think love the string arrangements. I don't. I did not say that I didn't love them. <laughs> what I said was it makes another it, string arrangement argument. What makes it and breaks it? Because I think the strings work on this song, but I also wonder what this song would like would sound like if they weren't on it. If it was just that 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 the drum and the and an acoustic guitar with some little jazz licks thrown in. Yeah, in I could understand. Yeah, but to me, when I when I think of this song, I think of Ellis Ellis Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, trying to sing this, and like that, she could have done want, it. I want a horn. You want a horn? I uh, do want a horn too. Um, I, yep. I, I want agree. a muted trumpet. It's it's the other song on the album, Chocolate Cake being the first one, that this song doesn't really fit with what else is going on. It doesn't fit, it but doesn't it's a, fit, it's but a nice it. break. No, no, it's a it good is. song. Again, I don't and dislike the song in, at all. If I could have a little muted trumpet and some, some keys and uh, a little less um, perfect pretty voice. Oh, well, that's where I said that it would have been great if Ella Fitzgerald could have sung this because it, Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah, could have worked. It wouldn't have worked. I don't know. The no. classical guitar, I think, really no, adds to it quite a bit. <laughs> no, I look, I like the song. I'm just saying that it stands out. It, it does. Doesn't, it doesn't. It does, uh, I will agree with you. It does yeah. stand up. And it's not yeah. rock and roll, baby. No, it ain't nope. rock it's and roll. Okay. It's funny coming after Fame Is, which is rock and roll, that this yeah. song yeah. kicks in. Yeah. Um, and I think Tim kind of leans towards wanting to be this. To do this I agree with you. Yeah, he wants to be a too. crooner. A yeah. Little bit. yeah. He's got a voice for it. He does. You know. Yeah. And but, um, my God, their voices together are, are amazing. Well, and, and as Doug mentioned earlier. Uh, Again, critical listening. I knew. I mean, I knew Tim Finn sang this, but if you just heard this in the background, you wouldn't know you wouldn't somebody know. else was singing this song. Yeah. Right? I can't tell the two apart. I can't really either. As sure as I am. I adore this song. I love this song. <laughs> we it, got some uh, we David got some, uh, guitar, some grungy guitars for maybe the first time on the album. Well, it's the, the grungy guitars are kind of in one channel, and you don't really. It's a it's another song, song where a lot of stuff's going on, and this yeah. is this is a song that I think David Hildago's. I don't know if it's the only song he's on, but it's the one he's the most noticeable on. The accordion is. Um, yeah, and I think Neil Finn's vocals on this song are, are incredible. They yep. just, they soar in a they way really they do. don't. They really do. They really do. Other song, yeah, it's um, it's great. But it's got that. I'm a sucker for Wurlitzer piano, and it's yeah. got that in spades on this one. I guess that's played by 
Mitchell Froome. Probably. Right. Yeah. I mean, Tim Finn was a keyboardist. But well, bo- all, both of them were. Yeah. Anyway, it's a very good song, and it does allow you to know what a good vocalist he is. Yeah. All right. We also use the word singer for that. Um, we, we do. Yeah. All right. I didn't know about the qual- the high quality of Italian plastics until this. <laughs> Yeah. This song is Italian Plastics. I'm surprised at how much I like this song. Yeah? Yeah. I, uh, it's the one written by the drummer. Is that right? Written by Yeah, it's written by the drummer. And we yeah. were uh, trying to determine. I, Neil I, Seymour. I, well, it's, uh, evidently he does. Uh, no, Paul Hester. Evidently Paul he, Hester, does sing, he does sing lead on this, which I... It's really hard to tell that he sings lead on this. But I just verified that. Um, well, verified it in a forum. I don't know how trustworthy that is. But uh, it's got great harmonies. I'm not the biggest fan of this song. But, uh, you know. Um, I think that this was written by a drummer. The bass <laughs> player got to have some fun as well. Yeah. And I think that the bass playing on this is absolutely amazing. I think the lyrics are kind of. well. They're funny. Surprising. I think yeah. Paul Hester is known for he's known for the songs he does right, having a little bit of a yeah. humorous side to them. Yeah. Um the outro is like surprisingly some, something off of the white album to me. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. yeah it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's so odd you said it. I thought the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So But it's it's a you know, good hunk of meat. <laughs> I don't know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian for one thing, and for another thing, I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right, up next, she goes on. She goes on and on in her soft wind. I will whisper in her warm sun. Do y'all know what's special about this song? It's a tribute to their mom. To what? To their mom. Oh, it makes me like it more. What else do you uh, know about it? That's all. That's the only thing I know. Is that well, the most like, important thing about this song is uh, this is Doug Cooper's favorite song on the album. Ah, it's, it's a fantastic song. It's a fantastic it is irresistible. Song. Um, and there's only one kind of person out there who does not like this song. And that's a bad person. It's a horrible person. Yeah, this was their mom died, and so they wrote this as a tribute to her. And if we, we read the lyrics, you know, I know, I almost in her started. soft wind, I will whisper in her warm sun. The sound I will of her laughter. When I realized it was on that, on. I started almost boohooing. This is why I think in the soft wind. This is why I, I don't. Uh, this is why I don't think that. Uh, there goes God is an anti-religion song because you can't. Well, have I, that I don't think it is. I think it's just. I don't think it is song. either. Yeah. But because this song comes from somebody who's got 
a very deep understanding about things. Yeah, this comes from a very different place than the rest of the songs, and it's uh, it's absolutely the harmonies. The lyrics are amazing on the this song. The lyrics are amazing. And the yeah, harmonies yeah, I'm so are glad you told me this is about their mom. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea of two boys singing that chorus to their mother yeah. is... Uh, it's heart-wrenching. Appearing in the eyes of the and the children in the clear to, blue mountain view. I'm about to boo-hoo now. I, yeah, I'm about to also. We probably should move on. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. this song is absolutely irresistible. Yeah, it's... Uh, th- it I'm, makes me... Th- I, I did not realize how deep this album was until I... Well, that's that's the thing. You get you you hear this, and and you get you one song, and the next song, you're like, where, you know, what's going on here? These this is that's why I was so surprised when I heard when I realized this album didn't do as well as yeah. I thought. I thought this was their because I do believe most people think this is their masterpiece. How on everybody God's thinks earth, that yeah. this album didn't chart it. Look, there's well, so yeah. many so many variables that don't involve the quality of the album. Yeah. But uh, this this song is. I, I, as I, I don't know if y'all agree with that theory that you have a certain amount of self control for each day, and after you use it up, you kind of let yourself go. Yeah. Like you, you make yourself go to the gym. You make yourself work hard all day. You you make yourself take care of some chores, and by the end of the day, you have nothing left, and you go eat a whole gallon of ice cream. Right. That's what this song did to me, because I used up all my self-control, not rewinding it and hearing it again, because wow. it is absolutely irresistible. Yeah. I, I could not believe how good this song was, and I've been listening to this album for so long, and I this was the first time I actually really I, listened to it. I felt the same way. You, you're listening to it for the podcast. You pay attention to things in a way yeah. that you don't normally do. I mean, this is kind of one of the huge on. benefits about doing this is yeah. that you, that's you, not to suggest any of y'all need to start your own podcast. <laughs> we have enough competition already. Yeah. Yeah. How will you go? I'm still here. So this is the first album we've talked about that has a hidden track on it, and uh, I will say should have stayed hidden. Um, but I, I, are you talking about this song? I'm still here as a as a hidden track. I think sure. this song is a the, the "How Will You Go" is a perfect way to end this album. It floats you out in this kind of dream. Oh, that's melody. A, I'm still here. Is that the one he's talking about? He wants to get laid and all that. Uh, uh, maybe I don't know. I tend no. It's just like it's freak fun, out, yeah, yell. It's, it sounds like yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you're, you're right, Yoko I mean, Ono. It sounds How like you go is so nice. It is. It's like leaving you on this kind it's, of dreamlike kind of, melody. You can see everybody with their little lighter yeah, in the audience yeah. going. Yeah. All right, and, and it's, it's also, but in a different way, has a very, I want to sing along with this. It does. It's it not does. Not at all subtly, I want to sing along. Yeah. It, it compels you to sing along. Yeah. 
and and then and then the, the then that song fades out and then you get the noise cacophony that's I'm still here and I'm thinking it's what? like a what a minute and a half like uh, it's, why it's did they pointless. think that needed it's it's nice that it's hidden because then I can just click it off when how will you go ends and not ever have I didn't realize it that's, existed um, because I already I always stopped it yeah, yeah. that's I was always irritated by Her Majesty at the end of um, yeah. No, well, that's I don't, not even I don't think her majesty. It's just like it's a just, fine song, but don't put it at the end of after, the last after Beatle everything. album. Right. Well, after everything right. you just experienced yeah. on and, Abbey and Road. And the last song's called The End, yeah. and you say, In the end, the love you take is is equal to the love you, or whatever the hell they say. And at the end, that's the last thing that And the then Paul McCartney's going to poke you in the eye. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I got this little tune here oh, I thought would be really cute. Oh, Paul, damn it. All right. So. Uh, the last song is um, we did that. I'm one. still here. No, we don't need to talk about and, that. And uh, so we're done. All right. <laughs> well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Doug, your uh, your wonderful, wonderful host, and I'm going to thank Tony Exclopedia for that wonderful album, an album I would never have tripped upon on my own. It is an extremely accessible album there are a lot of songs that will grab you right away it's a well-produced album it's a clean album and it is a very white album <laughs> so tony continues his streak with uh extremely honky albums was there a blue note played on that whole album jail actually there is there's one point where it does there's a uh, couple of points where the bass player hits some blue notes but Yes. Save your blue notes. Yeah. But um, Tony, thank you. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy that album. I'm I'm glad it's in my collection now. Well, good. I'm glad I know that it's not squeeze. Well, and, uh, yeah. I, well, I'm glad I'm glad I could introduce. Where you. are these guys now? Well, um, they're actually touring. Yeah, but I, I think what I I just briefly want to talk about what happened immediately after this. They're on tour for this album for Woodface and Tim is asked to leave the band again. Um, uh, not again, but just he's asked to leave the band. So the, this experiment of the Finn brothers being Crowded House lasted one album and I think half a tour. Uh, what it Neil, happened here in Austin, didn't it? No, no, no. It happened, uh, I think they were in the UK when he... when he. I may, I may be oh, no, wrong, no, no. It's Paul Hester. They asked Paul, Paul Hester yeah. to leave in Austin. So Neil, Neil, what Neil Finn says is that... Uh, you know, it's not very interesting. They didn't get in a fist fight or anything like that. It just what happened was they would be on stage performing these crowded house songs, and Tim would be off on the side, standing with an acoustic guitar, looking out of place, and it just didn't it didn't feel right when they were performing the as the crowded house. And so they both decided this is this is you know this is not the way to go. And at the end of the day, before they started throwing punches, they decided to end it amicably and i think that's the what, thing what was the reason for him standing off with his acoustic guitar i don't know well for, i think for one thing uh you know and this makes sense if you think about split ends they were able to perform behind a bunch of makeup and costumes oh, and all he, this stuff he didn't feel comfortable i, I, being I don't know if that's people. i'm this is me speculating and and crowd and the other guys in crowded house are very kind of you watch interviews with them they're very well with the exception of the bassist paul hester and, and neil finn are very 
gregarious, outgoing guys. And I think uh, I think maybe Tim wasn't. I don't know. That's my speculation. But yeah, they well, did. that's a very uh, shy person myself. I, I understand that <laughs> they did. Uh, they did get together, as Jam said. The Finn Brothers released a couple of, uh, of and they played together. all the instruments. Yeah, no, they're very talented. Yeah, the sad thing is that um, the drummer Paul Hester ended up taking his life. Uh, Forty six, I think. Yeah, very very yeah. young. He had, he had evidently was suffering from some significant depression and uh, very very young for our demographic. Yeah, yeah. So it's anyway, very sad. But yeah, as JM said, they uh, they released an album. Mitchell Froom is a full time member. They released the album last year, and they've been touring with it. I think when when uh, Neil Neil Finn's not with uh, with, uh, with Mac, they're they're touring with Crowded House. I have not seen any. A video of Neil Flynn, Finn uh, singing Fleetwood Mac songs. I did see him singing Crowded House songs with Fleetwood Mac oh, and, and uh, hmm. Stevie backing him up when it was very attractive, but I have not heard did that him sound, sing. Did that sound good? It sounded really... I mean, he's got a great voice. She has a great voice. And then I'm, I'm sure I was hearing uh, Mike Campbell do... A, extremely appropriate things on the guitar yeah. behind him. Yeah. I, when I think of uh, Mike Campbell, if I would, if Rolling Stone magazine ever puts out number uh, top 50 appropriate guitar players, he will be at the top of the list or they're crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Yep. Well, that was great. Um, just a few things. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has written in. Uh, we're getting a lot more feedback than we used to than we used to give get and i would like to request that everybody keep giving us that feedback we're taking your request for albums very seriously and you'll be hearing some of them soon we do appreciate all the recommendations and we've had a enormous number of recommendations for one of the british invasion bands we have not covered yet no, all you Rolling Stone fans, I'm not talking about you. Thank God. All you Beatles fans, I'm not talking about you. Boo. But we are moving soon to the Who. So if you wrote us and asked us to cover a Who album, we listened, and here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. Man. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Jonathan J.M. Rowe. If he could take a break from being humble long enough to answer some of your questions. But before I do, I want to thank... Atlanta, Georgia, for being our number one city not found in Texas. And I want to thank Sweden once again for being our number one non-English speaking uh, city. Japan, uh, thank you. You're number five non in, uh, in our uh, list of countries. So that's probably a bunch of Americans over there on Okinawa. But anyway, thank you. And if you're just a bunch of Japanese people trying to learn English, you don't care what we say. Thank you anyway. Uh, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, we always end each broadcast with a uh, rating. We have both the critical rating and a personal rating. And tonight, we're going to go first to Jonathan J.M. Rowe. All right. So I've got a bit of a personal history with this album. Um, I used to play in a band uh where the lead singer was really into grunge 
and he and I, uh, I played guitar in that band. And one night I was, we were rehearsing and I started playing, uh, don't dream it's over by crowded house. I really wanted to quit that band. And then he said, Hey, let's play that song. I said, no, it's, it's too commercially accessible. So, um, he, he gave me Woodface to say, Hey, this is a great album. You really need to listen to it. And I fell in love with it and I uh, recorded it and, um, I've loved it ever since. And, um, I had no idea that I, I, cause I'd always thought of them as split ends and split ends albums always had sort of good songs, bad songs on them. I fell in love with every song on this except for chocolate cake. And, um, so I'm going to, as a, a, I'm going to my personal rating first, I'm going to give it a four or five. It's, fantastic album i loved listening to it again i hadn't thought about listening to it for a while but it it will definitely be on my rotation as a critic i'm going to give it a four eight there really isn't that much bad about this album there's really not that many bad songs on it sometimes the lyrics get a little cloying chocolate cake could probably have been left off but i can't think of another song that should have been so uh yeah Four five four eight. Thank you, dear producer. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go next, and mine is easy. It's four five and four five. Uh, this is an irresistible album with irresistible songs. I would take the uh, I'd take the scalpel out and remove two of the songs, but um, they're not so bad that it does much damage to the rest of the album. Uh, this is a clean, well-produced album with two exceptional singers and a tasteful mix. So that's all I have to say about that. And with that, we're going to go to the expert on the album. <laughs> Tony, hand clap. <laughs> uh, How, what would you say, Tony? Uh, well, I'm going to say it's easy as well because I'm going to give it a 4.8 for both. Um, the chocolate cake isn't going to knock this album out of my love for it, mainly because the fact that it's got one of my top five, ten, I don't know where I'd put that song, um, you know, in, in, in Fall that rotation, no, four seasons in one day, oh. but it's definitely, it's definitely in the top 10. It may be top five for me, an album that has that song on it, as well as just the other songs on this album that uh, Doug talks often about accessibility and how something is instantly accessible. And that's the, the if you can skip chocolate cake yeah. and you hear that first song, it's in, everything on it's in, in oh on my God, the next, the accessible. Next, yeah. Next um, you're, you're past the event horizon. Yeah. yeah. The harmonies are amazing. I'm a sucker for vocals. The vocalists, uh, Neil Finn's vocals are great, but the harmonies, the blood harmonies on this are fantastic. Uh, the tunes are great. Like I said, it sounded like a mature version of what I'd been listening to. Um, yeah. So yeah, four eight for both critic and personal. It's 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 one of my favorite albums. Um, you know, so I'm glad I was able to turn Mr. Cooper onto it. Well, Tony, once again, 
you took me from my uh, period of darkness, and yep. you you bring me a surprise album that I really enjoyed. Yeah, from <laughs> the 1991 album. So, well, thank you very much, uh, Tony. Yes, sir. I've got this question that, that is constantly <laughs> nagging at me. Yeah. I've been told by some of the millennials at work that um, my albums from 1972 <laughs> are not cutting it. Could you help me by telling me something that the kids are listening to these days? Well, Doug, you are in luck tonight. I have an album that was released this year. Whoa! We're still releasing albums. Santa Maria! It's called Falling in Love with Trevor Blender, and it's by a guy, surprise, surprise, by the name of Trevor Blender. Uh, is, is that his this, real name? This, uh, I assume so. This is power pop, power pop, but it is uh, of that, that ilk that's very much in debt to Buddy Holly. Oh. I, I would say... Uh, Which is why we are... So knowledgeable. Yes. I'd say it, uh, if you're a fan of, of um, that first couple of Marshall Crenshaw, the first Marshall Crenshaw in particular, it's it's that um, it's, you know, a little bit more um, a little bit more Beatlesque than Rootsy than that album is. But it's a, that same kind of nodding towards uh, Buddy Holly and kind of poppy popifying the sound. Anyway, again, falling in love with Trevor Blender. Uh, just to give you a couple of standouts, the song "Falling in Love" is fantastic. And the song "Cold Heart" is fan- the whole album is fantastic. Those two songs in particular. I'll stand out um, to quote Doug. If if you find yourself listening to this and you don't like it, you're a horrible person. <laughs> this song, the, the songs on this album will instantly put you in a good mood if you're in a bad mood. You can't not listen to this without a smile on your face. Why? Why did you lie? After I trusted you, now I can see just what a cold-hearted girl can. So that brings us to an, the end of another episode of This is Vinyl Tap, where all the podcasts go to 11, where we looked at a classic album by Crowded House, Woodface. Please be sure and look us up on our webpage, tappingvinyl.com. And you can follow us on our Instagram page, Tapping Vinyl. Next week, We'll be looking at a classic album by the Talking Heads, Remain in Light. And you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. And you may find yourself in another part of the world. And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. And you may find yourself in a For our host, house. Doug Cooper, our co-host, boy. Tony Slagle, and me, your humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe. This is Vinyl Tap, where all the podcasts go to 11. And reminding you, wherever you go, always take the weather with you. And you may-